This is for you. Now entering the game for Philly Press Box Radio, Bill Furman and Jim Chet Chesco. It's Thursday, December 26, 2019. Merry Christmas to everyone. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesco. Hey, Chet, for the third week in a row, the Eagles live to play another day. This time, in dominating fashion, the Sixers dominated the Milwaukee Bucks on Christmas Day to keep rolling. Flyers continue to win. And Chet, since last Saturday, including the college hoops teams, Philly teams are 10-0. and You can't beat that. And ah, yes, it's college football bowl week. Yeah, Bill, our Philly teams have certainly been on an incredible run the last five or six days. Plus, you didn't mention this one this week, Penn State Indy Lions basketball team, which was number 23 the last time we spoke, is now number 20. And as you know to the Eagles, despite all their problems and the injuries, are riding a three-game win streak and are now one more victory away from getting back to the postseason for a third straight year. And on that note, let's get this out of the way immediately, Bill. I did pick the Cowboys to beat the Eagles last week, so... Without further ado. Well, I'm thinking we probably will kill you, and you might want to get it out of the way, but I have a feeling that me and Fred probably will have a little bit more for you later on during our picks. Oh, I'm sure, because I had a horrible week picking the games, and I'm sure you guys will remind me of that in about 40 minutes. Uh, I, I hear you. But, hey, we've got a lot to talk about uh, tonight. We've got a great guest from Bucks County Courier Times, Tom Moore, joining us again tonight, Chet. Yes, we do. And in case we didn't mention it, happy holidays to everybody. Hope you had a great Christmas. Uh, the New Year's are coming up. A lot of parties, a lot of festivities. I know I ate way too much, Bill, yesterday. Yeah, I, I ate a little bit more than I needed to also and propped up and watched uh, a lot of TV, Christmas shows, those sort of things. Nice, uh, relaxing day with a a little bit of limited family on my side this time, though. I'm not going to get on the scale again until around mid-January because I know I, I think I put on about four pounds yesterday alone. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's the time for it. Hopefully you got to see uh, your dad or you're going to see him this weekend. Hopefully yeah, Saturday. he's doing well and healthy as, as well. Yep, spent uh, yesterday with my wife's family and we'll see my family, my side of the family, on Saturday and then some other relatives on Sunday while watching the Eagles game. So a lot going on, busy time of year, as you said. Absolutely. Hey, uh, let's talk a little bit about that college basketball that's going on real quick, Chet. You know, the Philly teams are rolling. Uh, They all won last weekend, which was kind of neat, and they're getting ready to play again this weekend with almost everybody in action. Wouldn't it be something to come through another weekend? we got some Sixers games, Flyers game, another Eagles game to come through another weekend. It would be about uh, 16-0. and 0. Oh, that would be awesome. The Villanova knocking off Kansas last weekend. As I said, Penn State in the top 20 now. So everybody's uh, doing very well. But I think all eyes this weekend are going to be focused on MetLife Stadium when the Eagles and Giants go at it. And as you mentioned, we, we have a great guest to talk about that, plus the Sixers. From the Bucks County Courier Times, Tom Moore is going to join us in just a second. Bill, Tom's been here a dozen times now over the past five years, so this will be lucky visit number 13 with Tom. 
And as a columnist for the Bucks County Courier Times, he covers the entire Philly sports scene and always gives us some great insight. And we'll see where we go, but I'm sure we're going to talk a lot of Eagles and a lot of Sixers with Tom, and he should be calling us any second now. Yeah, well, and uh, I'm looking forward to that because Tom does a great job covering everything. And, uh, you know, there's so much to talk about. You know, you, you look at the Sixers and you, you see a team that played yesterday, and, and we're going to talk with Tom about that, that looks like, you know, that the hype is real. You know, they're, they're the real deal. And you see an Eagles team that's really putting some things together here down the stretch. I don't know you call them a hot team, but they're playing like a good team. So it'll be interesting to get Tom's take on that as well, because I think, you know, it's exciting time. Here we are in December, and the, the Eagles are in the hunt. The Sixers are playing great. The Flyers are playing great. Great time to be, be a Philly sports fan. Well, I just gave a big build-up to Tom, and he is on the line now. So introduce him, Bill. Let's welcome Tom Moore back to Philly Press Box Radio. Tom, Chet says this is visit number 13. I knew it was double digits. I couldn't tell you what number, but uh, I yeah. was always my favorite – that was always my favorite number growing up. I always tried to get 13 in baseball and basketball and football. That was always my favorite number, so I'm not sure what that means. Ah, uh, you're, you're the Will Chamberlain of journalism, Tom. Uh, I would say that's not even close, but thank you. <laughs> Let's go with it. In, in any way, shape, or form. Yes. All right. All right. Uh, Tom, we were going to talk Eagles with you first, but that Christmas Day Sixers thrashing of the best team in the league, Bucks got me pumped, so... Let's focus on Brett Brown's team, first of all. That was nearly a wire-to-wire route. What does a marquee win like that do for the Sixers in terms of their confidence? Yeah, it definitely should help the confidence, you know, uh, you know, knowing that they can compete, you know, with any team, including a team that had, I think won 22 out of 23, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, Embiid was just fantastic. He did a, he did a great job on uh, Giannis, who was the MVP last year, and you can argue I've been playing better this year than he was last year. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, that's a team that the, the Sixers would see either in the second round or the conference finals if they get that far, you would think. that It looks like the team to beat in the East. So I think it's always, uh, you know, helpful. Um, and also, uh, you know, maybe, you know, put a little doubt in the Bucks' minds, you know, that, wow, look at what this team did. You know, look at what this team did to us, you know, on national TV, et cetera, et cetera. So, it's really not a, a, a across the board. You know, it's the kind of win that can really help a team, and and you know, perhaps maybe even be a part in them. You know, reaching another level. You know, Tom, you look at a game like that, and and as Chet said, wire to wire, and and you know, it's easy to believe the hype and think, you know what, this team is for real, and it does have a chance to go all the way to the finals and win this thing the way they played yesterday. Uh, your opinion at this point, as we're getting close to midpoint of the season, is this team good enough to get that far? Well, I think the one, you know, they clearly established a, an excellent home court advantage, but the one thing I'd like to see is, uh, you know, I know they beat the Celtics. They have a couple of pretty good wins on the road, but they've also lost to some teams on the road. They're um, right, right around 500, a little over 500. And I think if they're, you know, they're going to need to be, uh, let's say, the second seed in the East. Um, would get them home court in the second round, which, you know, last last year they'd had set home court against the Raptors, you know, in that in that seventh game. And I think I think, you know, we all know the value of that. Um, so I think it's important for them. You know, it's a big balancing act for Brett Brown, everybody, because not only do you have to make sure Embiid's healthy and, 
you know, for the first time, hopefully, in the playoffs. But, you know, Al Horford's 33, and he's playing a lot of minutes, more minutes than he played last year. And last year he had a sore knee for, like, the, the last 50 games of the season. So um, you really need to, you know, you need to win and you need to establish something, but you need to be healthy in the playoffs. So I think it's really a kind of a balancing act, you know, to try to accomplish all those things. But, you know, if, let's say they get the second seed in the East, which they could, you know, um, that would really help if, if the second round, that would mean they get, whether it's the Heat or the Celtics or whoever, you know, there's some, there's some pretty good teams in the East. And then if they can get through that, you know, that they, they wouldn't have home court against Milwaukee. But, you know, I think to me the to me, this year is about reaching the conference finals. Barring a you know a major injury to Embiid or Simmons or Horford, you know I I think um, that's what this year they, to take that next step. You really need to that that really needs to happen. And if you don't beat the Bucks or whoever in the conference finals, you know in my eyes it's at this point it's not the end of the world. But you know you look back last year and you see how close the Sixers came the Sixers seemed to match up pretty well with the Bucks but maybe they don't match up as well with the Celtics a smaller quicker team um so it's all about it all comes down to you know how if you're healthy how well you're playing and how well you match up the other team cuz when you have to win 4 out of 7 rarely does the inferior team win the best teams typically going to win there because you know each other so well it's just about you know, executing and, you know, uh, um, consistency. Well, in beating the Bucks on Christmas Day, Tom, the Sixers tied a franchise record with 21 three-pointers. That's certainly not something they do all the time. Do they have enough shooters on the team? Probably not, Chet. I would say that at the, uh, you know, trade deadline or in the buyout market, right in the, uh, right in the uh, uh, you know, right after the trade deadline, I would say that you know they'll be looking for a score off the bench. I don't I don't know that Furkan Korkmaz, who's kind of been in that role so far and had had a stretch where he's, he was much better than anyone anticipated. But I don't know in the playoffs if that's a guy who um, you know if that's a role that he's ready for. So you you, you want to see if you can add add to that you know add to that uh, position and possibly a backup point guard. Um, although if you do that, you'd have to cut Trey Burke. You have to create, you know, a roster spot or two or trade, you know, trade a guy for another guy, whatever it is. But I, I think definitely they need to score off the bench. I don't think there's any question. That's the biggest need that this team has. Um, and the three point shooting has been not kind of up and down yet. You, you know, uh, they don't have, you know, clearly don't have the JJ, JJ Redick not being there. Um, he was, a guy that defenses had to cover constantly at the three-point line, and there's nobody on this team at that level of 40% three-point shooter, you know, who's who's a threat every time down the court. It's more of a group effort. Harris, you know, and, and Richardson and Ho- some Horford and some Embiid and, you know, uh, Moss off the bench, et cetera, et cetera. So I think they do need more, you know, shooting. I think Brown will tighten the rotation from 10 to 9 or 8 in the playoffs but you really do need somebody off the bench, you know, who can knock down a three would, would help, you know, just so much. Hey, Tom, a week or, well, two weeks ago, I guess now, Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal had some words for Joel Embiid on national TV. And although I think Embiid is pretty darn good most nights, uh, he seems like a man possessed since that happened. Do you, do you agree that uh, 
he's even up the game just a little bit more? Yeah, I don't think there's any question he's done that. And I think maybe sometimes being called out by a couple Hall of Fame guys, you know, guys who, um, you know, I don't know, he, he didn't, he didn't get to see Barkley probably growing up because he's so young, but he probably got to see Shaq some. Um, um, you know, I, I think sometimes, you know, it can kind of be a little bit of a wake-up call. And I think I was encouraged, too, the way he took that instead of kind of lashing out and saying, who are they, these old guys, these has-been, these washed-up guys, that he said he listened, and it does seem like he's doing more things. He's being more dominant. He's making – more of an effort to go on the low post and, you know, attack as opposed to kind of standing at the three-point line and, uh, you know, being more passive and so on. So uh, I think that's been a really good thing, um, you know, for him and for the Sixers as a team. Tom, I'm not even going to ask you about Ben Simmons shooting threes. Uh, We're just going to take a pass on that tonight. He is what he is, and someday he'll surprise us and start shooting more regularly, we hope. Uh, Let's switch to the Eagles right now. We know about all the injuries they've had again this year. All the primary wide receivers are gone. Darren Sproles and Corey Clement have been non-factors this season because of injuries. Jordan Howard's been out for a while. Uh, Coming back now, we think. Lane Johnson out the last couple of games. Um, Given all that, while it hasn't often been pretty, do we need to give Doug Peterson and company maybe more credit for getting this group to where they currently sit one win away from the playoffs? You know, I think the Dallas, Chad, I think the Dallas game was really, really kind of showed you when you look at, you looked at who the Eagles, you know, Eagles were relying on, you know, Greg Ward and Boston Scott and Josh Perkins and Davis, you know, these guys were all practice squad players and they were playing, you know, key roles and the fact that Peterson's, you know, game plan and, and his play calling, he was able to maximize these guys' contributions, um, you know, and win a game that they, they had to win. If they lose that game, they were eliminated. Um, I think he, uh, you know, I, I think that was, a, that, was an excellent, uh, that was an excellent game plan. And I think really Carson Wentz the last three weeks has been really, really good and, you know, kind of making the most of whoever he has out there. Um, um, the top three receivers are out, and Jordan Howard, you know, who had been the leading rusher, was out. And now it sounds like Ertz may miss, you know, the game on Sunday with the Giants. They're, they're being very vague about that, but it sounds like, you know, there's certainly a chance they'll miss that. So, you know, you need Goddard and Perkins, and as I said, you know, Ward and uh, Davis and, and Boston Scott and all these guys, Miles Sanders. Um, you know, that's what you have. Um, uh, so I, yeah, I think, I think Peterson, that was one, probably his best performance of the year in terms of, you know, I know they only scored 17 points, but they did enough, did what they had to do and they maximized, you know, the, the players they had out there. Um, yep. Yep. And on the defensive side of the ball, you know, Jim Schwartz dialed up a great game plan also. And the key to stop in Dallas, I always say, is you have to stop Elliott. You can stop the Cowboys. Uh, he certainly did that, putting seven, eight in the box quite a bit and making them make plays and they couldn't do it. And I think Schwartz has gotten some compliments this week for his effort, but more went to the offense. I think it can't be, it has to be spoken that Jim Schwartz and them guys did a great job. I mean, they had to hold the Cowboys without a touchdown after what they did to the Rams the previous week, you know, three field goals. Um, and, you know, with the injuries and, the, you know, the secondary, I mean, they were down to uh, Rasul Douglas and uh, Sidney Jones were your starting cornerbacks there for a while with Mills and Darby out. I mean, it's 
it's just kind of uh it's like a mash unit there um it's pretty incredible mark uh, marcus epps who had been a practice squad guy and a, and a, and a uh, special teamer is the third safety he's, he's a rookie he's played really well out of wyoming i mean they're, they're getting the same thing at the offensive end that they're getting at you know at the defensive end um and i think schwartz you know, a little more aggressive and blitzing a little bit more to get more of a push from just rushing four. He's been, you know, safety blitzing and linebacker blitzing, you know, more, more so. And um, yeah, I think both. I think he had a no question. He had a terrific game too on Sunday. Tom Carson yeah. Wentz has been Tom uh, Carson Wentz has been very, very good the last few weeks. Um, you know, thirty-four out of forty-two or whatever in the uh, fourth quarters and overtimes. Three wins, 30-plus completions, no interceptions over these last two games. Has he done enough to, you know, appease the doubters, or does, does he still have to get to the playoffs and win a playoff game in those people's minds? Yeah, I, he probably still does. But, yeah, I mean, he's had three of the better – well, certainly uh, 2017, you know, he had th- th- uh, the last three games probably rank up there with any of the games he had in 2018. I would say 17. He, he you know, he he was at an incredibly high level, but I think still with you know Nick Foles and I mean uh, the morning call uh, we run we run their Eagle stuff and the quarterback for the decade of the 2010s was Nick Foles, and I mean how could it not be because he had two stretches he won a Super Bowl and he had the 27 and two season. And other than that, it was pretty much a revolving cast of uh, quarterbacks. And then, you know, Wentz was the guy, but he got hurt. And, you know, he hasn't played in a playoff game yet. So I think there will always be that um, kind of hurdle until he, you know, he gets it. So, you know, you're looking at having to beat either the Seahawks or the uh, 49ers, even though the game will be here. I mean, they already lost to the Seahawks once, and those are two formidable teams. Um you know, and he, you know, they're going to need him to make plays regardless of who's the, who the tight end and the receiver and the running back is. Um, so I think probably he's going to have to win a playoff game, you know, for, you know, for that, uh, you know, to kind of get past that. Yep. As we head up the highway to New York this weekend to play the Giants, uh, you thinking we're going to see a big dose of Miles Sanders in the running game, or you think? Uh, I, I'm a little, I'm a little concerned that the, the Giants might actually get fired up to, to win this game, I'm hoping we see a lot of Miles Sanders. Yeah, uh, that's one uh, somewhat of a criticism of Peterson still. You know, um, he he kind of falls in love with the pass and gets away from the, you know, from the run in, you know, games that are, uh, you know, it's only with one touchdown difference or whatever it is. You know, I said to people kind of half-jokingly, but almost not, that I, I, in this NFC, I wouldn't be shocked if the Eagles lose to the, Giants and the Cowboys lose to the Redskins and the Eagles win Division Eight and Eight. That wouldn't shock me either. To be the, nope. the way me, this me season has gone and the way these you know it's go, you know these teams have been so. I mean, the Cowboys looked unbeatable against the Rams after losing three in a row, and then they came out with the Eagles. And obviously, the Eagles had something to do with it. But you know that I mean, they had drops and and Prescott missed some open receivers and. Yeah. You know, just did, were not a very efficient team at all. They had some opportunities, and they, they did not take advantage of, you know, any of them. Um, so, but, yeah, I hope so. I hope Sanders, and I hope, you know, if Howard's healthy, at least, you know, on some short yardage situations, he's a bigger, tougher, you know, short yardage guy. I'd like to see him, you know, with the ball. Yep. 
Well, Tom, this is our final show of 2019, and this is my final question for you, uh, as it turns out. In your view, what was the biggest story on the Philly sports scene this year? I have three that come to mind for me. What uh, What do you think was number one on the well, Philly sports scene? Hmm, yeah, that's good stuff. Well, I mean, I would say, you know, it's a little under the radar, but, you know, Elaine Vigneault going to the Flyers, it clearly yep. has, you know, he's something that Hackstall – uh, was not. I mean, he's a proven NHL coach, and you see the difference in the game planning, in the quality of the coaching, and so on. That um, it's kind of like going from JV to varsity. I would say that that's you know that's certainly one of them. You know, the quadruple bounce <laughs> shot mm-hmm. uh, with the the Sixers and the Raptors, Kawhi, and then they go on to win the title, and the Sixers are that close. I guess the double doink technically was in uh, 2019 too, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, it yeah. was. Yeah. That's true. I mean, you I forgot about that. that you know, it's like last season, but I guess it was like the second or third week in uh, second week in in, in January. January. So what do you what do you have? Well, yeah, I had Vigneault as one of them. The other one is just the arrival and quick emergence of Carter Hart for the Flyers, and then of course the whole oh, Bryce yeah. Harper thing, courting Bryce Harper, his arrival, the way he you know took to Philly, the way Philly took yeah. to Bryce Harper. So those are my three. Yeah. No, that's really good. And now with Girardi, I mean, it's, uh, yeah. you know, there are some expectations here and they, think they still need another pitcher, but I think, you know, they're in a tough, they're in a tough division, uh, terrific pitching in that division. But I think, you know, they have a guy who I think is going to demand that, you know, you got to get me the players that I need. And I think that's good because the Phillies, you know, were close last year, but I mean, we all knew starting pitching was a problem and they did nothing to address it. And exactly. they, you know, they, Zach Wheeler is certainly an upgrade, you know, an upgrade and he'll probably be the number two guy. But I still think if you're relying on Pavetta and Velasquez and even Eflin, uh, you know, we've seen that before. If maybe one of them is a fifth starter, but if you need one to be a fourth starter, say Eflin and then, you know, Arietta, you're hoping. And, you know, you're, you're, as I said, counting on Pavetta and Velasquez. I and mean, we've seen enough. They've been so up and down. I think mm-hmm. they, you know, they're more like long relievers, you know, fringe guys. If you got to count on them. I, you know, the more they, more starts they make, uh, you know, the worse it is for your team. <laughs> I agree. Absolutely. And, you know, I would just add to that, because uh, Chet didn't ask me this question, but Kapler leaving and Girardi coming. I'm not sure which one I like the most, but uh, Kapler just wasn't ever going to be the guy here. Yeah. No, he wasn't a Philly guy. He, I thought he, he got better um, the, the second year, the first half of the second year. He was better with us, and he was a little more honest in terms of answers. And then when they struggled in, you know, July and August again, he kind of reverted back to that glass half full, rose-colored glasses. <laughs> yes, and, he did. you know, the fans, you know, they're not stupid. They, they know that's not the reality, you know. And, and he, he, you know, I, I don't know. I, I guess he, he – I don't mean you have to rip your players – but you need to be somewhat honest in your assessments and at least acknowledge perhaps that there are issues and not that, you know, we think Hector Neris is as good a relief pitcher as there's been, you know, like these crazy things. He actually said it in the last game of the season, two years, not this year, the year before, that you can argue that Hector Neris, the way he pitched in August and September, was the best relief pitcher in the history of the game. And, like, you don't even know how to respond to that. You know what I mean? It's so, it's so like – Seriously, I mean, come on, you know, like, have you have you seen like Dennis Eckersley or you know even Brad Lidge that one year for goodness sakes? Right, uh, it makes you think you're kind of full of something. Response. That's about all you get out of that. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> well, Tom, we have used up all your time again, and we we want to thank you for taking time number thirteen to join us, and happy New Year to you and your family. 
Thanks a lot. Happy New Year to you guys, too. Take care. All right. Thanks, Tom. Sure. All right. Always good stuff from Tom, that's for sure. Uh, well, hey, if you follow me on Facebook or Instagram, you know that I had a great time at the Irish Rovers Ugly Sweater Party last Thursday night. Lots of fun, as that event is every year. And for the record, there were some far uglier sweaters than the reindeer beer one that I wore. Anyway, the Irish <laughs> Rover Station House in Langhorne has a terrific menu. I had some great sweet and sour wings last week, first time having those, and they were awesome. Always 24 beers on tap, lunch, dinner, and happy hour specials. Also, they have a DJ every Friday night and live music on Saturday nights. This weekend, Saturday night, the 28th, it's the band Stem Live. And on January 4th, one of my favorites, Big Whiskey, returns to the Rover Great Southern Rock. The Irish Rover is on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne and on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com. Hi, football fans. This is Merrill Reese, and you're listening to Bill and Chet on Philly Press Box Radio. It's good! Hey, Chet, speaking of good, since we talked last and you were up at the, the Rover doing your thing up there, didn't I see you out uh, and about with that Robbie Ellis? Yeah, that was, I've been doing so much lately. I don't even know when that was. That was, was that last weekend or the weekend before? I don't know. But yes, I did see Robbie Ellis. We enjoyed the uh, the Road Dogs. At, that was actually December 14th. So yeah, that was the previous weekend. December 14th at Nick's on Cotman Avenue, seeing the fabulous Road Dogs. And it was a lot of fun. Great to see Robbie and Bob, as always. We had a good time. And by the way, since we mentioned Robbie, a belated happy birthday to her. She just celebrated another one. I think it was number 39 on well, uh, that's Christmas what Eve. I was going to say. Happy birthday yeah. to Robbie as well. There you go. All right. Well, hey, Chet, I have to ask you what it's like to be watching hockey before January. Just think, you would have missed 37 games nearly half the season if you waited until the new year to start watching the Flyers, and you'd have missed a lot. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely watched more hockey this fall and early winter than I have in probably 30 years, Bill. And there are a few reasons for that. The new coach, Elaine Vigneault, has the team playing a better brand of hockey. Carter Hart, as we mentioned, is the real deal. And as you've mentioned before, he always seems to give them a chance to win, which is, you know, great. And they are winning a lot, 21-11-5 for 47 points as we speak, good for third place in the Metropolitan Division and fourth overall in the Eastern Conference. So it's exciting. The Flyers are certainly playing well, and they have gotten my attention, and it's still December on the calendar. Yeah, and, you know, they bounced back from uh, losing a few games with all those injuries and the suspension and all that stuff they went through. They've come back. they bounced back. Big West Coast trip coming up here uh over the holidays, which will be certainly tough. Um, but they're on a pace for 100 points for the season, and that's really good. Yeah, but as you mentioned, tough six-game road trip coming up. Five of those games out west beginning this Saturday in San Jose. They won't be back in Philly until January 8th. That's just about two full weeks, Bill. They are 13-2-4 at home, which is terrific, obviously. Just 8-9-1 and one on the road. So you want to, you know, at least play 500 hockey on the road, and they're they're hanging right around that level. But you want to see them play a little more consistently on the road because that's they've had some of their worst games away from the Wells Fargo Center. Yeah, well, and you think you know six road games, 12 possible points. I think if they could come out of there with eight, uh, eight would be needed. Nine would be great. Obviously, anything yeah. above that, you know, is bonus. But uh, four or five or six is is correct the season. 
Yeah, I agree. I would love to see him get at least eight points, seven at the absolute worst. Um, we'll see what happens. And, you know, it's, it's a shame what has happened to the young guy, Oscar Lindblom, but since he visited them in the locker room last week, I think they've won all four games. So he has certainly given them some motivation, and, you know, the fans are, you know, doing everything they can to encourage him and the team. So that was great to see. And now we'll see what happens on the road. Yep. Uh, I'm excited about it. I, 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 you know me, I like the Flyers from, uh, you know, October when they dropped the first puck all the way through. And uh, it's been fun to watch. And I think uh, there's a lot of good things ahead. This team is going to make the playoffs somewhere. Um, whether they can get up in those top numbers, we'll see. But uh, they're, they're certainly going to be fun to watch throughout here. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, uh, heck, once football season's over, I'll watch them even more than I have been. There you go. Hey, you know, the interesting thing, too, Chet, is, you know, the youth movement is taking over, not taking over, but uh, moving along with Konechny and Farabee and some of these other guys. Uh, they scored six goals the other night, and Claude Giroux had zero points in that game. There was uh, six goals, 12 assists. Giroux had no points. And when you can put that many points on the board and your perennial leading scorer doesn't get any of them to me that's not a bad thing about Giroux that's a good sign about the team yeah on on the one hand it is a very good thing that they can win and score that many goals without him contributing on the other hand you think hey this guy's the leader and you want to see him you know help out too and get on the scoreboard but the bottom line is winning when you can get goals however you get them that's what it's all about getting those goals and winning the games yeah, and the team guys, you know, the team guys that are covering them uh, are saying Jeru's playing at, at his almost his highest level uh, because he's doing so much besides scoring goals uh, that he's playing really well, and that's a good sign as well. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, hey, Chet, did you know that 56% of Americans have no idea how much they'll need to retire? If that sounds like you, you need to talk to Dave LaVoy from Allstate in Westchester, PA. Yep, the same person you count on to help protect you can also help you set a reasonable retirement goal and then show you the right financial solutions to help get you there. A good plan and a good life starts with someone you trust. Call Allstate agent Dave Lavoy in Westchester, Pennsylvania. The number 610-430-0700 and start planning for your retirement today. Again, the number 610-430-0700. And, hey, Bill, uh, I want to play 12 seconds of music right here and see if you can identify it. Don't say anything for 12 seconds, and then I'll I'll ask you about it. So here it is. So my question, Bill, do you know what that is? Uh, I've heard it about a million times, but no, I don't. (laughs) Well, it is, in fact, Mike Oldfield doing Tubular Bells, which is the theme from The Exorcist, which was released in theaters on this date, December 26th, 1973, 46 years ago, Bill. And i got to say, as a teenager, seeing that one a few weeks later, I guess it was in January when it hit, you know, everywhere, it did creep me out a little bit. Please tell me you've seen The Exorcist, Bill. I know you're not a horror film guy, Uh, but have you seen uh, The Exorcist? I did. I did way back when you're talking about, uh, you know, a a million years, a couple lifetimes ago, I'm I'm afraid. But, yeah, I I did see it, and I I say I I knew the music. I just didn't know where it came from. 
And Linda Blair was just 13 when she filmed the movie. And the guy who did that music, uh, Mike Oldfield, still alive and well, he's only 66. He was 20 years old, really 19, when he actually wrote that and uh, put the album out in 73. So he was just a 20-year-old kid when that came out, and he's still around making music. Interesting. Good little tidbit. We cover it all here at Philly Press Box Radio. We do indeed. We do. Uh, All right. Hey, Chet, college football season's kicked off with a couple smaller games. But the big games are coming this week. Temple goes Friday at noon against North Carolina in the Military Bowl. The Penn State Nittany Lions, Memphis, Saturday at noon in the Cotton Bowl. And the Final Four playoffs, Oklahoma versus LSU and Clemson versus Ohio State are Saturday afternoon and Saturday night. We're going to make some predictions on those games with Fred shortly. Uh, Will you be watching Temple and Penn State? And what do you think about this crazy bowl schedule they have going on this year? Well, I'm going to be working, unfortunately, while Temple plays. That's tomorrow, Friday. But I will take a few peeks at it, of course. I'm gathering with my sisters and my dad up near Quakertown on Saturday. And my 95-year-old father actually convinced my sister to move up the start time of her holiday gathering to 12 noon so he could see the entire Penn State game. So he's excited about it. And, of course, I'll be watching that one with him, as I know you'll be watching as well, Bill. I absolutely will, and uh, I'm going to be able to sneak some time to watch uh, the Temple game tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of interesting how they're doing this. You know, they're playing the Final Four games yeah. and, and the Penn State, the Cotton Bowl on Saturday, but then they're still playing the New Year's games, which the traditional New Year's games on New Year's, uh, yeah. which is which is not till next Wednesday. So it's kind of odd the way they have it. The New Year's Six game, as they call it, with the Penn State-Memphis Cotton Bowl, uh, is not on New Year's. Interesting. I know. Yeah, you told me that, that it wasn't going to be on New Year's. It was going to be the 28th, and I was a little confused. I thought, oh, no, wait, isn't that one of the New Year's Six? It's the Cotton Bowl, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, so it is a bit strange, but, hey, you get used to it. And there's so many bowl games, too. I get confused as to, you know, which ones get played when anyway. So, anyway, go Penn State. And I see they got a new offensive coordinator for next year, too, by the way. Yeah, they did. They hired the guy from uh, from Minnesota, and I actually I can't even pronounce his name yet. But uh, they got him from Minnesota. He has already showed up at the hotel in Dallas. Uh, he must have his Penn State sweater already in his in his bag, um, yeah. which I, I thought was interesting that he moved along that quick. But uh, supposed to be a good hire. It's the kind of guy James Franklin likes that run, already runs a system that they're familiar with. Not going to be a lot of change and. Uh, as we know, Minnesota has certainly gotten a lot better. Yeah, I, I don't have the name in front of me, but it looks like the same last name as the guy who runs Chickies and Pete's, uh, Shiraki, I believe. So yeah. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but uh, close enough. We'll go with that, Shiraki. And, and, and he is a Pennsylvania guy. I believe I, I saw that he went to Juniata. So uh, okay. he is a local guy, and who knows, uh, maybe, maybe they are related. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, we'll have to look into that. Yeah, that's right. Go well, to the hey, yeah, yeah, looking forward to that. And uh, our buddy Goon is out there uh, at the ball game. He's going to bring that game in, and then he's getting to go to see the Cowboys Redskins game uh, also on Sunday. So good, good weekend in uh, in, in Dallas for uh, the Goon. But I throw go. that in there. There you go. All right. Well, Chet, we're going to talk some uh, with Fred about uh, the fantasy football finals and all that. But before we do, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page, 
so people can take a chance on winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They've continued to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out the Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC 118 Raz Room. That's right. PPCC 118 Raz Room on Facebook. And Chet, I have to tell you that uh, I heard from a reliable source that there may be some Carter Hart and Nick Foles items uh, getting ready to float to the top. Oh, really? Very interesting. <laughs> and yeah. hey, uh, oh. you know, we had Tom Moore on just a little while ago. And we ran out of time, but I had another thing I wanted to ask him about, but we didn't have the time, because he is a newspaper guy. And I'll ask you instead. Um, on Monday, after the Eagles, of course, you know, beat the Cowboys the way they did, mm-hmm. the Philadelphia Daily News had the headline, Nick Who? And a lot of people took offense to that, saying, you know, they were dissing Nick Foles. A lot of people, you know, still love Nick, and understandably. And i got to be honest, I was a little taken aback by that as well. I think that's kind of disrespectful to Nick. I mean, I know what they're saying, but what are your thoughts about a headline like that? Nick who? Yeah, when I first saw it, I thought, this is garbage. You know, it just, it was a garbage headline. And and actually, I saw where somebody, matter of fact, it was our buddy, Mike Diaz, who we've had with us uh, on the show, calling out Mike Sealski, who wrote the article. Of course, he doesn't write the headlines. Right. But he wrote the article and, uh, Mike Sealski got a little uh, little testy with Mike Oh, Diaz really? On that. He did. I he did. did. He that. just said, headline, get over it. <laughs> Interesting. Well, are we ready for uh, Mr. Hugo? Not until the music plays. Oh, well, of course. You're right about that. Let's play it. There you go. Red butter time. Fred, welcome back. The championships are complete, I think. Uh, how did you do? I won. One out of oh. five, though. So yes. I won. Hey, you'll take Champ- that. A champion. There I will. I'll take, was, take that win. Was Congratulations, it a Fred. Well, I had a huge – It was yeah, money was involved, but I had a huge dilemma with starting Ezekiel Elliott or not. <laughs> it was, oh, no. It was tough. And then I, I finally said, to, you know what? Hopefully you listened to Philly Press Box Radio and learned how to stop the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> well, I agree with you on that, but I, I didn't necessarily know if the Eagles would, would do that or not. So um, so I said, hey, I'm not going to walk out of that. I'm not going to walk out of that stadium pissed off twice. It's going to be once. So. Uh, either the Eagles win and he stinks, or the Eagles lose and I at least win. But uh, he ended up giving me 14 points because he had a couple of receptions, point per reception league. So uh, it worked out, and then uh, I didn't even need him anyway. So I won. Huh. It's good. Good. Uh, yeah, they hadn't stopped him the previous five times they played. So uh, you know, oh well. Right. Somebody, somebody <laughs> in this three three of us thought they would though. But we'll leave yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get, get to, to that. that. And speaking of that. It's time for this week's NFC East picks. We've added some extra games this week, too, and uh, since we're in the final week, how did we do last week, Chet? Where are the standings, <laughs> and who took Dallas? All right. Well, Fred and Bill, you probably – Fred, you probably missed it at the top of the show, but I played this 
right at the beginning of the show, and I'm going to play it again for your listening pleasure, describing me. (laughs) Yeah, guys, not only did I pick the Cowboys to beat the Eagles last week, but I was a perfectly imperfect 0-4 last week to clinch last week. Yeah, it's hard to do, but I did it because I'm that good. Hard to believe hey, I was Chet, our leader Chet, I have at to mid-season. Ask, you know, are, are you yeah. ready to say that you were zero and five after your bashing of Fletcher Cox? <laughs> Why? Well, look, no, I'm not. <laughs> I, I still concur that by his standards, he has had a mediocre season. Okay, so there, I'm not going to back away from that one. Now, anyway, to the standings, you guys are still neck and neck for the crown and the mythical ten thousand dollar prize that goes with it. Note that I said mythical. Uh, Bill, you were 4-0 and last week. Very impressive. Yeah, I was 0-4. You were 4-0. Fred got only the Vikings-Packers game wrong, so he was 3-1. and He had been our leader, but now it's pretty tight. Fred's lead is now just one game. He is 43-23. and Bill, you are 42-24. and I'm in football pick'em hell, meanwhile. Hey, let's get to it. We've got a bunch of games we're going to throw in here because they have Playoff implications, we threw a couple of extras in here. So we got Washington, Dallas, Cowboys minus 11, 49ers at the Seahawks, 49ers are minus three. The Tennessee Titans visit the Houston Texans, the Titans are minus three and a half. Titans have to win to make the playoffs. We add the Steelers at the Ravens, the Steelers are minus two and a half, and the Ravens aren't playing half their players. Steelers have to win. And then last, we had the Eagles visit the Giants. And the Eagles are minus four and a half. So Fred, Redskins, Cowboys, Cowboys minus eleven. Yeah, I, I could see them just fold, but they, they technically are still in it, so they're going to show up for this game. Spread is eleven. I'll, I'll take the Owls to win this one. I can't believe the spread's eleven. First of all, but that doesn't matter. Uh, I think the Cowboys will win the game, but I don't think they're going to cover. So I think Dallas does get by. Who is playing quarterback for the Redskins? Haskins got carded off last week. Is he playing? Oh, that's a good question. Do you know Fred? I don't think it matters. If if he's playing, I'm taking Washington. But if you don't know, I'm going to take Dallas. I I think Dallas is going to fold their tent. Uh, But even if Haskins doesn't play, I don't know that they can beat him regardless. So I guess I'll stick to the Cowboys, but I really want to pick the Redskins in this game. All right. Well, Dallas it is for you. We're writing it down. Yeah. Next. 49ers at the Seahawks, 49ers minus three. 49ers win its home field advantage for them. And and they're at home this week. Or no, are they on the road? They're at Seattle. Yes. Oh. I, I can't go away from them. I've been riding them all year. I'm going to take the 49ers um, on the road favorite. I've picked against the 49ers on at least three occasions this year and was wrong. I'm not making that mistake again. Not that it matters, but I'm taking the 49ers on the road. Well, and I've rode the 49ers all year long, too, but i got to find a game to win here. Yeah, so you I'm going to take the Seahawks and uh, at home because they're awful tough at home, and especially in December. So I'll take the Seahawks. I like the 49ers, though. Titans and okay. the Texans. Titans minus three and a half. They've been playing. They've been playing well, the Titans. But I'm going to go with the Texans here. I I just got a gut feeling here when I first looked at that that, that the Titans are the sorry the Texans 
with Deshaun Watson. We'll pull that one out. Wow. I think Tennessee is the desperate team here. They need it to get in or at least have a shot. Uh, I guess they have, no, if they win, they're in. So I'm going with Tennessee to win on the road. Yeah, I'm going to go with Tennessee also just so I can win this whole pool. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I really like Deshaun Watson, but uh, I think Tennessee, as Chet says, they've got to win this game. I'm going to go with them, even though J.J. Watt will be back in action this week for the, for the Texans as well. Okay. Steelers-Ravens, Steelers minus two and a half. Ravens sitting after team, uh, or Ravens are, the Steelers have to win. Who you like? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Steelers here with uh, with Lamar Jackson out and then most of the starters. And obviously the Steelers have to win. That, uh, that spread is still awful small, though. But I'm, I'm going to go with the Steelers. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if Baltimore wins, even with, you know, all the regulars sitting out. But because uh, Pittsburgh's down to their third-string quarterback and they're on the road, and I don't have a lot of faith in them anymore. But I am taking Pittsburgh just because of the Ravens sitting so many guys. Yeah, me too. And uh, we're going to see RG3 and Trace McSorley playing quarterback in that game for the Ravens this week. It's, yeah. That'll be interesting. But uh, yeah. I'm going to go Steelers as well. That gets us to right. Eagles-Giants. Eagles minus four and a half. Uh, I would have thought there had been a little more points in this game. But who knows? Yep. Fred? Saquon Barkley looks, looks very healthy now. Uh, the Giants do seem to be able to throw the ball. And I know Darby's out, so it might help us actually. But there were receivers open in that game. Dak, Dak just missed them. So I, I don't think the defense is as great as as it seems as far as the D-backs go last week. Sidney Jones made some plays. But I think it will be a little more scary than, than we want to expect. But I think the Eagles will pull this one out. Be a little high scoring. I want to say like a like 27-21 Eagles. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk. Um especially if Ertz is not available. I do see the Eagles winning, though. I have a 27-17, Birds. I'm going Eagles, and I'm going to say 23-16. I think Jim Schwartz will uh, dial one up again against uh, Chet's boy, Daniel Jones. Well, Bill, you know what you've got to do. You've got to win both of those games that you have different from Fred. You've got to root for Tennessee, and you've got to root for Seattle. That's exactly lined up just the way I like it, Chet. All right. All right, Fred, final four playoffs, Oklahoma, LSU, Clemson, Ohio State, or Saturday afternoon and Saturday night. Let's make some predictions before we let you go. LSU is minus 13 and a half, and Clemson is minus two. Who you like? I I don't know why. I guess I'm being the opposite, or I don't know if I'm bitter because Georgia lost, but I just got this gut feeling Oklahoma's going to win this game. I, I like their coach. Oh. I like the way – when he was down against Baylor, how he brought the team together, and they rallied the first time, down 30 or whatever it was, that ridiculous amount. And you got Jalen Hurts, who's been here before. Um, I'm going to go Oklahoma there. And then Clemson, Ohio State, the ACC's not been great this year. And I don't think the Big Ten's been excellent. But I'm I, Justin Fields is banged up, but I'm, I'm going to go Ohio State. I, got, I feel like Ohio State can pull this one out. Mm, very interesting. Uh, I'm taking LSU. That's too big a number for me to go against that one. I'm taking LSU, but I, too, am taking Ohio State. Maybe it's just my Big Ten bias. I don't know. Uh, I will take LSU, and I'm going to take the Buckeyes. Well, and there's a reason you're in last place. 
<laughs> I am actually scared that I'm agreeing with Fred. I think Oklahoma can win this game. Um, and it's all about Jalen Hurts, and it's the fact that they can score a ton of points. You don't give up a ton of points in the SEC, but um, Oklahoma can light it up. I'm, I'm, I would definitely take the points at 13 and a half, but I'm going to take Oklahoma to win that game, and I am going to take Clemson, who I think is just under the radar because of what Fred said. The ACC is a little bit down. Uh, but they just rolled everybody they played. It wouldn't matter who they were playing. So I'm I'm going to go with Clemson. I think it's going to be a really, really good game. At least I hope it is. And uh, Ohio State's loaded too. But I'm, I'm going to go with Clemson and see what happens. And just for the record, these college games do not affect the standings for uh, your little competition. Nah, that's right. Well, Frank, right. before we let you go, let the listeners know how, to, how they can follow you. Uh, oh, I have one more question for you before we get to that. How did you like being at the Eagles Cowboys game? You were in the stands. It was it was as loud as the NFC Championship game was against the Vikings. It, I haven't wow. felt it a regular season game like that. The pre like pregame like everyone's ready to rock. Like you can hear the Dallas um, sucks chant like echoed everywhere. Like it was it was awesome. I mean, I've been to Eagles Dallas and it reminded me of that. Really, it, it was really cool. Uh, I, I loved it. Obviously, they won, but even without the win, it was just pregame. It was almost like the fans were like, we're here, we're here too, you know. It was cool. Very good. Mm -hmm. All right, before we let you go, let the listeners know how they can follow all the stuff you have going on, Fred. You can find me um, on Instagram and Twitter at, at Fred Hugo underscore. Search me on Facebook, Fred Hugo. And I'm always tweeting my Freddy's Five with the Sixers tweeting Instagram and um, and on Facebook. And then also on uh, Wednesday nights at 9.30, I do a, a show on Edge of Philly Sports. Uh, you can watch that as well. We have a special, much like you guys, because of the Christmas holiday tonight at 9.30 right after you. So you can catch me in any of those spots. Sounds good. All righty, Fred. Fred, thanks for coming, and we'll uh, we'll see you next week. All right, see you guys. Go Birds. Thanks, Fred. See you. All right. Hey, Chet, uh, New Year's on a Wednesday, so we're going to go Thursday again next week, January 2nd, 7 p.m., uh, same as this week, day after the holiday. With that said, who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? Am I, am I right in my guess? Yeah, I think you got this one. You didn't tell me who your guess is, but I think I know what you're thinking. And as it turns out, we had these same two guests, on January 2nd, 2019. That was a Wednesday. This time, as you know, it'll be a Thursday, January 2nd, 2020. And we will be joined by longtime Philly Inquirer sports columnist Frank Fitzpatrick to talk about the state of the Philly sports scene heading into a new decade. And with a lot of folks vowing to get in shape as the calendar turns, we'll have another visit with personal trainer and Inquirer fitness writer Ashley Greenblatt. Always a good time to talk to Ashley. Yeah, and I think Ashley's got some news uh, this year that she hasn't had in the past. Yeah, keep that quiet till next week in case people don't know. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Looking forward to that. They're always great. And uh, So that gets us to our parting shot tonight for you, Mr. Chesco. Do you have one? Or yeah, do you have any yeah. other tidbits you want to throw around? Well, I'll tell you what. Let's do this little spiel first, and then we'll talk about a couple other things while we can. I normally do a certain special piece at the end of our final show of the year, but – I'm still fine-tuning that, so I'm going to save that until next week. In the meantime, 
I do want to mention we've extended our sale on our Philly Press Box Radio shirts. They're available in unisex sizes, medium through 3XL. You can choose from regular $10 or dry fit for $12. And those prices are 5 bucks off the price that we've been charging since last spring. Add 2 bucks if you need 2XL or 3XL. They're regular material shirts that are cotton polyester. The dry fit ones are 100% polyester. The green logo that we have, Philly Press Box Radio, is on the front, and our sponsors' logos are on the back. Choose from green, gray, or black background. Specify whether you want regular material or dry fit. If you need them shipped, add $7 for one, $10 if you're ordering two. I'll get them out as soon as you let me know what you want. Again, 10 bucks for regular material, 12 bucks for dry fit. If you're friends with us on Facebook, contact us that way, or go to our website and hit the Contact Us tab. That's in the upper right-hand corner of our phillypressboxradio.com website. So, Bill, you know, we've uh, been, well, I've been a big fan of Kate Beckinsale. So we heard a little Kate last week uh, recalling her first kiss. And here's another uh, cut from Kate. This is the fact that she somehow decided that she likes to watch medical operations, and she actually got invited to do so. I have a few doctor friends, and sometimes they let me go. And I watched somebody... I watched somebody remove what looked like a massive wet sponge from a man's buttock. I was really fascinated. How do you watch this? Where are you going? Where are you going to see this? Well, a friend of mine was a doctor and was like, you know, pop a mask on. Do you want to have a look at this? And I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. I, I, I think we got to do something here. We got to adjust the scheduling on this show. Yeah, we got to move Kate up. I think we got to move Kate up in the rotation. <laughs> Well, I, I I'm going to work on getting her. I didn't know this is where you were going, but I was going to add, do we need a Kate Beckinsale minute for you tonight? And lo and behold, before I could even say that, you already got one. <laughs> yeah, there's just so much Kate material out there. Um, it, it's a shame it's not a visual medium, the thing that we do here, but uh, Kate provides great audio, too. Uh, with that out of the way, let me ask you this, Bill. New Year's Eve is coming up. Are you a party animal? Do you actually go out and like do something for New Year's Eve, or do you, or you just kind of stay on the home front? I always stay at the home front. Went out when I was uh, younger. Uh, too many, too many lunatics out there for me. And uh, you know, back when I used to uh, enjoy drinking a couple cold ones, uh, those same beers that were ten dollars on New Year's Eve that I could drink for two dollars, <laughs> uh, that that didn't work out all that well for me. Yeah, I know, I know. I don't think I've gone actually to a bar or a club on New Year's Eve since the mid-90s. So in more recent years, I've just done, you know, some family stuff, a relative's place. Or the last few years, or at least three out of the last four, I've gone to a friend of a friend's house for a couple of hours. And I'll do that next week. But I'll be there from like 7.30 till 9.30, quarter to 10, then go home to be with my family before it gets real crazy. So that's my yeah, plan. Yeah, we do, we do that. Uh, we, we've done that. That wasn't what I, I was thinking you meant. But, yeah, we, we'll go out to families and friends' house and all that. But uh, yeah. this year we've got a lot of activities going on that are taking up a good bit of our time. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much going out and hanging out we're going to get to do. By the way, real treat today, uh, I was listening to the radio and uh, a rare Thursday afternoon appearance by Glenn Macnow and Ray Didinger on WIP. They were on together from 2 to 6. And always great to hear them, usually on the weekend, of course, but they filled in today. 
and uh, lots of great stuff on there. And along the way, I learned actually from listeners who were calling in that it was 15 years ago today that Reggie White died. Yeah, 15 years ago yep. today. Mm-hmm. And it was on this date in 1960 that the Eagles beat the Packers at Franklin Field to win the NFL championship. Absolutely correct. Correct. And, hey, and, and one by other the way, point oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I discovered also that you and Ray Dittinger have two things in common. I learned this today. He, too, is bothered greatly by the whole load management thing, so make a note of that for the next time you talk to Ray. And Ray, like you, does not have any Christmas sweaters. Yeah, see? There you go. <laughs> I yeah. like the way Ray thinks. Hey, and one other thing I wanted to throw out there, Chet, and uh, – or I, I spent yesterday, I watched a whole bunch of NFL films, all 100 teams, you know, because there wasn't yeah. a whole lot on TV, you know. And our buddy, Mark McClain, who is a childhood friend of that Billy White Shoes Johnson out of PMC yeah. slash Widener University. Uh, you know, Mark was asking, why is Billy White Shoes not in the Hall of Fame? And, uh, you know, Billy was picked on the all 100 team, and he is the only member of the 75th anniversary NFL team that is not in the Hall of Fame. Just really? like Gary Kramer was the 50th team, which has now been rectified, Billy Johnson is the only member of the huh. 75th team who is not in the Hall of Fame. And uh, Billy needs an advocate. I don't know where we find him, but Billy needs an advocate <laughs> to get into uh, Canton. Yeah, yeah, he's not getting any younger, so uh, somebody better get on that. That's right. All right. Anything else before we put a wrap to this? Because we've reached the top of the hour. Last thing real quick, I mentioned some of the highlights of the year. Two things nationally that stood out for me, the Nets winning that Wild World Series over the Astros, all uh, seven games going to the visiting team, and a great Stanley Cup Finals with those St. Louis Blues winning it all this year. So those were a couple of other things that stood out for me in 2019. Wrap it up, Bill. We'll talk about some more of that next week when we have Frank with us, that's for sure. So let's thank tonight's special guest, Tom Moore, Fred Hugo, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sutherland's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave Avoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chancesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Thursday, January 2nd at 7 p.m. You can listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash Radio. Or you can find our podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, and others. Happy New Year and high hopes. Philadelphia sports fans, go Birds! D-S-D-L-D-S-D-L-D-S-D-L-D-S-D-L-D-S-D-L-D-S-D-L-D-S-D-L-D-S-D-L-D-S-D-L-D-S-D-L-D-S-